Hey, it's G-Pog. A couple of days back, I tweeted about SAFE, the Scaled Agile Framework. It created some stir on the timeline, which was great, as I got to see a lot of perspectives. I want to use that tweet as an excuse to talk about something much larger. This will be a long one. This muse is not really about SAFE, for the most part, but about all of what the methodology turn in our trade produces. I do have one specific thing to say about SAFE, though, so let's do that first and get it out of the way. Every SAFE installation I've seen, and it has been quite a few of them, and I use the word installation advisedly, is deeply committed to a hierarchical command and control approach to optimizing software development. This is more true of SAFE in practice than any of its competitors. Hierarchical command and control is in fact deeply embedded in what SAFE's purchasers understand scaling to mean. They install it for exactly that purpose and exactly from their commitment to that idea. And my objection to SAFE is straightforward. You will not get optimum software development by emphasizing hierarchical command and control. You will not get the thing that you came to agility for in the first place. Now let's change the subject, or let's broaden the subject. What current method would I use? None of them. Let's talk about why there are no extant software development methods that reliably lead to optimal software development. As an aside, because I am a natural born pedant, I do not use the word methodology or its cognates to refer to what are in fact just plain old methods. Methodology is the study of methods. Methods are things like SAFE, SCRUM, DAD, PRINCE2, XP. There are reasons why our current methods don't lead to optimal performance, hence why I am not an advocate for any of them, not even my beloved XP. I want to note just five of those reasons, though there are many more than five. Is there an alternative approach to method possible? Yes, but it's not going to fit in today's uh, talk. These reasons take up a lot of space, and they're negative in tone. If you only want the positive, you should wait for another thread. Here are the big five. First, these methods rely on what I call the Anna Karenina assumption. And Tolstoy wrote, All happy families are alike. Each unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. This idea morphs in these methods into all high-performing software teams are alike. The notion is baked in quite deeply in most of them, though they always throw in a pro forma inspect and adapt clause. They never really quite tell you how that might work in practice. Some of these methods, the ones intended to operate on more than one team at a time, explicitly require standardized procedures inside teams, standardization that has almost zero demonstrated merit. Examples of this? All our sprints start and end on the same day. Each team's idea of a story point is the same as every other team. We fill out five document templates for every commit, and so on. Uh, there's a footnote here. Story points have long been deprecated by their originators. So, are all happy teams alike? The answer might even be yes, though it's far from obvious. What is obvious is that they are not all alike at the level of analysis being used. Neither, for that matter, are all unhappy teams different at that level of analysis. Bringing us to the second reason these methods don't reliably lead where we want. They focus their attention and their reasoning almost entirely around process. Structure, artifacts, rules, forms, procedures. If one says anything bad about one's experience of any of these methods, someone will pipe up that, of course it doesn't work if your leaders aren't good, or your geeks suck at programming, or your customers are idiots, or any other flavor of 
your relationships are broken. Ah, yes. We observed that the method would work if our relationships weren't broken. If we were otherwise healthy, stable, motivated, safe, close, trusting, and so on. But these methods don't actually attend, for the most part, to achieving any of those things. Here's the thing, too. If your relationships were those things, you wouldn't need much method. And if your relationships aren't, structures, artifacts, rules, procedures, all of these things are usually neutral or even net negative in impact on those relationships. A favorite quote of mine, you can't organize your way into community. Yet, to the extent that I personally have seen the ways in which all high-performing teams are alike, they boil down almost entirely to they are all communities. These methods don't take that seriously. Third, these methods nearly always bundle the demands of customers, stockholders, and stakeholders into a single abstract unity. But not only are those three separate categories with very different goals, but each of the three contains within it multiple competing voices. In this age of surveillance capitalism, for instance, a customer's interests and a company's interests are often in sharp conflict. Corporate value statements notwithstanding, the resolution of these conflicts is not for the weak of heart or of mind. And for all that, the stakeholders in an org, neither stockholders nor customers, typically carry more weight than the other two forces combined, and balancing their demands is often even more difficult. And we still haven't mentioned the geek at the face of the silicon mine. The extraordinary difficulty of balancing these tensions is exactly why so few methods even mention them. To give the punchline without reciting the ancient joke, because the light's better over here. Fourth, though each of these methods describes a, a city on the hill, none of them sketch a sufficiently detailed and option-laden path for how we are going to get there. They are marketed, sold, bought, and installed as Big Bang switchovers. We send a team to a class. We write up some workflow documents. We declare some rules. We hire some pseudo-boss installers. We change every word, every channel, every step of the flow, and then we turn it all on. It's difficult to imagine an approach less likely to work than this. The consequences of this in terms of organizational change are brutal beyond belief, and they're made even more so when you consider that the other items on this list strongly suggest that the method won't work anyway. A year or two later, when we realize what a mess we've made, well... The Harvard Business Review and the airline magazine covers and the websites and the buzz will have gone bounding through the weeds after another method here, and we'll do it all over again. Fifth, and perhaps most dauntingly, one can succeed, impressively so, at the method selling business, regardless of the success or failure of one's customers. There are long-term consequences to selling ineffective methods, but really, no short-term and few medium-term ones. You might think we could handle this by tracking success or failure data for method buyers. If only we knew what was working. But we don't. And realistically, we can't. That would require data from the method adopters themselves. But if a method adopter is winning, they regard their method as competitive advantage. And if they're losing, there is zero incentive to say so. So the data winds up being surveys to elicit the most popular method, not the most frequently successful one. And, of course, the discourse around these methods is not remotely disinterested or grounded or analytical. The part that's not popularity surveys is just acronyms and marketing brochures by any other name. So, there's five reasons I don't advocate any method. 
There are others too, but this is already a long talk. If, if I get enough action out of this, maybe I'll write it up more thoroughly. No current agile method can create high-performing software development teams. I don't endorse any of them. I don't sell them. I don't coach them. I actively advocate against adopting them. I said I wasn't ready yet to propose a positive view, and I'm not. But I can tell you what things I will demand of any future method before I even consider embracing it. One, it must focus explicitly on the development of what I have called community. Active, dynamic, mutually beneficial, and healthy relationships between human beings. Two, it must describe multi-option, multivariant, multi-step paths from a number of here's to the there that it proposes. Three, it must address causation as multi-source, multi-effect, multi-directional, and multi-layer, rather than the naive mechanical models with their single causes always arising in its single directions from a single above, the hierarchical command and control. I won't accept less than that, and I will most likely want more, much more. I would hope that the whole trade would join me in this. So yeah, I was picking on safe, for sure. But really, I was aiming at the whole failed enterprise of inventing software development methods, branding them, marketing them, selling them, and buying them. We need to lose this practice. I'm G-Paw. Thanks for listening. Hey folks, the Change Harvesting Camarada, an informal gathering of change harvesters, is open. Come to gpawhill.org slash camarada and check it out. Join today. The first 50 yearly members get a personal consultation with me, G-Paw. Thanks. Thanks.